Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. Then God will teach us his ways, and we will obey his teachings. Isaiah 2, verse 3. This was one of the readings on the first Sunday of Advent, and it sees me through the whole four weeks leading up to Christmas, listening to God teaching me his ways. As far as obey, well, we've all chosen whether we'll obey the gospel after leaving the family home or turn away in unbelief and reject its authority, haven't we? A.W. Tozer says, our choice is our own, but the consequences of our choice have already been determined by the sovereign will of God, and from this there is no appeal. Christ stated plainly, he who is not with me is against me, and no man comes to the Father but by me. We have the freedom to repent a wrong choice and alter its consequences by making a new and right choice but there's no freedom to negotiate the results of the choice once it's made, good or bad, right or wrong. This Advent, through prayer and Bible study, I'm joyfully looking forward to Christ's coming by remembering my choice and renewing my promise to obey God. What anyone else chooses to do will not affect my salvation. And I'm looking forward to a Merry Christmas. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny and I'm going to be bringing you homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God dwells in the ordinary and reminds me that I'm where I need to be this very moment. It feel earth-shatteringly impressive. Most of the time it feels just right. Each week I cajole and encourage a member of the public to join me for part of the show. I'd ply them with a mince pie and some hot chocolate if we weren't all things digital, but they come and chat with no bribes, and we talk about aspects of family life which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of their child-rearing above their highest joy. This week I am talking to Greg Barber, who believes God has put a calling on your life and a dream in your heart, and he's willing to help you unwrap those gifts and talents to find out how you need to stay put. I'll be touching on the doom and gloom side of the season, but not for long. A rush to the hospital and other cold weather happenings on this side of the pond. I did have a mince pie this morning to get me in the festive mood and a yummy cup of hot chocolate laced with something innocuous. And I'm live here at the studios of Toginet Radio for the first time ever in my four years of hosting. This is my 199th show. Next week, I'll be doing my 200th show, so I'm excited. I'm living in Lindale, where Toginet are, and so I thought I'd pay everyone a visit. And there's a Santa Claus actually walking around this morning. I wish you were here. I'm here, so let's get going, shall we? Advent dawned, and I found I hadn't been thinking of spending Christmas in America when we moved out of our home in May. I supposed we were still going to be in England, where there was a tree of sorts and some decorations in the garage. But here at Hideaway, my mother-in-law's place, I had nothing to remind me of the season, 
well, nothing that was mine, at least. So I popped online and I found a nativity scene fashioned from olive wood in Palestine. Not Palestine, close to me here in East Texas, the Palestine of the Holy Land. And it's sitting with me in my office. And my clever gentleman fashioned an advent wreath from an inexpensive piece of greenery. Four candles, a few nails, and an old plate. With the addition of some silver bows, it looks very pretty and works well, counting down the weeks. We've lit two candles so far. And my oldest son had to send us the prayers and Bible readings we use every year, which we'd sent him last year. Huh, where would we be without high tech? And lots of memories come flooding back as we pray with each other each morning during this time. As their spiritual leaders, we'd help the children when they were young to prepare a place for Jesus in their hearts. Actually, we would set up the creches and put the baby Jesuses away until after Christmas Eve Mass when they'd gather up the infants hidden in various places around the house and place them in their cribs. Some years we lost one or two. They'd show up later, well hidden, in some obscure space. The crib, though, was never left empty. That wouldn't do, would it? A quick straw and fabric baby would be fashioned as a replacement. We'd say family devotions, which included lighting and extinguishing candles. The children would take it in turns during the week to perform this responsible task, which would occur several times during the day, the candle part, I mean. We lit our advent wreath at each mealtime, tea time, or coffee break. Any excuse to get the matches out and hands in the candle wax. We'd read scripture. The children loved the repetitive responses of the little service. And sometimes we'd draw and cut symbols for the Jesse tree if we had one that year. And the excitement mounted as Christmas drew nearer. And I think it was more about the gifts than the coming of Christ. We may have been homeschoolers, but children are children. My Benedictine tradition tells me to treat the secular as sacred, so that part was honoured too. God sent his son as a gift to save his creation. What better way to emulate that than to find treasures to gift our children with? Hmm, I remember the stress of Christmas mornings hoping we'd chosen the perfect gifts. As the children have all grown in wisdom and stature, and I'm not disputing the stature part, they've made their own decisions about whether or not to follow God's teachings. My blue-eyed cowboy and I are watching on the sidelines. It's not easy to let go of the spiritual leadership as they make their own way into the secular world that holds little or no respect for the Christian foundation we've laid. But as my good friend Peter Kowalki says, be the change you want to see. So we set our good examples over the phone and Skype by measuring the tone of our voices and only advising when asked and sending positive vibes from the yoga mat. I was talking to one of my guests recently and I asked him if he was ready for Christmas and he drew a deep sigh. Now he has four children so I know what lay behind that sigh. I detected some despondency and asked him about it. There isn't one person I know, no matter how prepared or laid back they are, who doesn't get gripped with the holiday blues at least once during December. My blue-eyed cowboy and I had just that discussion the other evening about all the stress brought upon us as the holidays drew draw near. I wondered if it was the media and whether our parents or grandparents suffered as much as we do. I don't know. What makes Christmas so much more stressful than Thanksgiving or Easter or the 4th of July, for example? 
Well, for one, just look at the thrust the retailers make to encourage us to buy, to guilt us into spending too much. My Texan and I no longer have that pressure because we do our giving differently now and have come to an agreement with other family members. But for some reason, Christmas is still a very swings and roundabouts holiday. Close your eyes for a minute. Conjure up a Christmas scene, a table laden with delicious food, cakes and cookies baking, the house filled with sweet smells, a warm hearth, hot drinks, snowy scenes where somehow the people always look warm, the posters, the cards, the films, all contribute to that expectation we've built up in our heads of warmth, cheer and abounding bonhomie. I have no solution to banning the blues. Mine hit most fiercely after the holidays, but I'm the one to face my dragons head on. So perhaps the first step is acknowledging the stress, and the next step is removing it a little bit at a time. Who knows? By the time we're in our wheelchairs, we may be so blasé about Noel, we're smiling and singing the holidays away. Back to Thanksgiving, which was wonderful. There was no pressure there. We spent it at my newly wedded son's house, where the bars on the windows make the place safe from intruders, but a prison for those trapped inside. Was there a fire? Hmm. You can't win for losing. We went the day before Thanksgiving to commence the cooking and watch their two blue-winged macaws playing outside. His wife, whom we call Elsay Mac, is a dog as well as a bird trainer, and they had a young house guest for the holiday, a small blue Aussie, only 14 weeks old. She was adorable, and we were able to watch Elsay in action the following day while she taught Gingy, the blue Aussie, how to fetch. Of course, I've mentioned that the birds hasn't caused an allergic reaction with me, but the dog definitely did, and I had to take out my contact lenses after just a couple of hours, and I sneezed most of the time. Their kitchen is easy to work in, as it's laid out similarly to mine, when I have one. Elsa wanted to arrange things their way when they were setting up house, and my son asked, why, when this is the most logical way? Apparently, they asked my oldest son when he was over next, where does the yeast go? And he replied, top shelf on the fridge, on the left behind the milk. Enough said. We started our cooking when the happy couple left for work at 4.30 in the evening and Dorts came over to play. She discovered the puppy and romped on the floor with her for a while. We made our pies and cranberry crunch and I, just for fun, asked her where the yeast went. And she said, in the fridge, top shelf, on the left behind the milk. End of debate. The following morning we started cooking in earnest. I love congregating in the kitchen, either sitting at the table and watching or chopping onions, even shelling pecans. My cowboy did have to go and buy a roasting, a roasting pan for the massive turkey while his son removed the giblets and rubbed it down with dry seasoning. The other two children arrived and began their duties, Dorts to play with the puppy and filmmaker's son to make a casserole. Then we started looking for our other daughter, and by 1 p.m. she still wasn't there. So we took our Christmas photo and ate, and at 4 o'clock heard that she wasn't going to be able to make it. Too much stress involved. Well, it turned out she ended up in hospital for five days, recovering from stress related to her nannying job. It was quite an ordeal for her because during all the testing, her bosses were harassing her about 
how much longer she was going to be gone, refusing to pay for her time off and generally piling up the stress. We visited a couple of times. She had friends milling around and we were there the whole day when she was discharged. Her meal request on being released was Mexican, so we went and had fajitas before heading back to East Texas. It's tough sending an ailing child to a friend when we really wanted her with us for some tender loving care, but in true independent mode she refused our offer. And she finally quit her job, and so because it was a live-in position, she's homeless and unemployed but hopefully a lot happier and a lot more stress-free. Luckily, she has friends who are helping her, and she calls us every now and again to give us an update, sounding well. The holidays. And as for the Christmas photograph, well, I really could not send out cards without my fourth daughter. Not my fourth daughter, but my fourth child in there. And so we managed to pop her in as if she was photobombing from a picture that we had taken last year and uh, everything looks all right so we'll be sending out our Christmas cards and it's time for my first break I'll be talking with my guest in just a moment so don't go far get yourself something to drink How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Goals, objectives, business and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, Business and life coach Carmen Carosa can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real world coach for a reason. His no nonsense style, along with an innate ability to form connections with people, gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. You will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. Evermore, people have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Victor Frankel, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Similuka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central, on toginet.com. 
Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Joining me today is Greg Barber, a church planter with the Church Multiplication Network, CMN, and I practiced that so I wouldn't muddle it up, in Missouri. As part of CMN, Greg works directly with the national assessment, coaching, and training teams that help to prepare new church planters. He also develops their social media, marketing, and event logistics systems. Greg grew up in Northern California, where his family was instrumental in the planting and development of Sunset Christian Center, now Destiny Christian Church. After graduating high school, he served for two years in the youth ministry as an intern, where his calling to ministry started to, to develop, and he met his future wife, Kelsey. Greg moved to Washington for college, where a passion was born in his heart to see the lives of others changed through the efforts of church planting. Greg, welcome to my show. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I'm sorry I messed that up. Church Multiplication Network. That is a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, we say CMN for short. CMN for short, yes. But yeah. I, I just had to get it out there so that my, my listeners weren't going, what is CMN? Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Greg, um, tell us a little bit about your story. I, I kind of, um, you know, sort of threw out a few things there that you'd done. You grew up in Northern California. So tell us, um, brothers, sisters, yeah. you know, your family and that kind of thing. Yeah, so I have one brother. Um he lives in Southern California. He's going to golf school right now, so mm-hmm. he's got this big goal to be a professional golfer someday. Um, and uh, he just recently got married, um, which is pretty exciting. Um, me and my wife now live out in Missouri. Um, we moved here after going to school up in Seattle area. Mm-hmm. Um, thought we were getting out of the cold and the snow, but then once we got here, realized that Missouri is... <laughs> colder and has more snow and ice than Washington. So um, lots of coffee to get through the day, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, I've uh, been involved with CMN for about a year and a half, almost two years now. And uh, over the last, um, in 2012, uh, CMN helped plant 391 new churches in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this year is on track um, to be right around 350. Um, so in the past five years of CMN's existence, we've, uh, helped plant, um, about 1,900 new churches in the United States. Um, so we've had an opportunity to have a, um, pretty big, uh, impact on the kingdom and, um, build a, a, a healthy network, um, of, uh, collaborators and friends and, uh, people that really just want to see people meet Jesus. And so, um, we found the most effective way to see that happen is to plant new churches. Okay, I'm going to interrupt you for a moment there because no that's, that's a lot of churches. And you say it's just it's in America, you don't go outside the borders of America. But there are people I know that are doing that work in Australia and, and England. So Yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. we have relationships with those people. Um, the task that we've been given has been to specifically focus on the U.S. Um, we do have missionaries come to our training mm-hmm. and then take that training overseas to train okay. church planters. Um, okay. But we just don't count that in our numbers because that's not the task we've been given. Okay. And so you're talking about churches, and of course, I immediately imagine a building. Are you talking about buildings or are you talking about 
people and leaders. Can you clarify that a little bit for us? Sure. I would say both and. Um, I, we're, we, our training and um, what we do is all principle-based. It's not method-based. So um, we have lots of suburban churches that go the mega church route, and that's their goal. We have lots of guys that have done the coffee shop, you know, open up a coffee shop, and then we meet there on Sunday for our church as well. Okay. Um, we have a few house churches involved with our network. So uh, we got a little bit of everything. Um, new faith communities is really our goal, and uh, that's defined by um, a leader, that uh, a credentialed leader, and um, their opportunity to uh, to reach their their community. Okay, so new faith communities, is that what you said? Yeah, okay. that's, the, that's the wording we like to use. Okay, what does that mean? Uh, well, it, it really depends on the culture. Uh, I mean, like I said, we have uh, one guy up in the Seattle area, and he, his church, um, his faith community is called Community Dinners. And so uh, every week they put on these dinners and invite um, the, you know, the urban population there to come interact with them, and then they have a short message at the end, a uh, Christ-centered message. So um, the, you know, the, what, what it actually looks like is different, because every culture and every community is different. So okay. um, we try to tailor it to fit where it's going. Well, yes, you talk about culture. You talk about um, shifting culture is much harder than creating a culture. So sure. talk a little bit more about church um, culture, because I, I sort of, it seems to be a new phrase. I, the church I go to has talked about culture, and when, when I first heard it, I thought, what does that mean? And it's more the, um, the feel of the congregation, who they are, what they're looking for. Is that, is that what a church culture is for you? Um, it, it could be. Um, I, for me, uh, a church culture um, is part of a larger community culture. Um, it's part of that city. And so uh, as much as you can, you want those cultures to align so that there's, when people come in from the outside to your church that have never been there before, you know, they understand the wording and the language and, and uh, the things that you do and say and why you do certain things, because it, it needs to reflect um, the community and then needs to reflect Christ as well. Um, so church culture, and then there's leadership culture. So you have to build, you know, when you're building your team, um, that's why church planting, I say, is much easier um, than church revitalization, because you revitalize a church, you have to go in there, change the culture, and then, you know, hope it works. Mm -hmm. um, church planting, if you if you do it right, and you're aware of um, the words you use, the things you do, you can create a culture of... Uh, multiplication, a culture of health, a culture of, um, you know, giving and love and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's trying to define, you know, your values through what you do and the words that you use. Okay, so who can plant a church? I mean, do you need a college degree? Could I just go out there and decide to plant a church? Well, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of church planting networks, um, and they all require different things. Uh, the one I'm a part, a part with, the Church Multiplication Network, um, our assessment, our coaching, our training is up to anybody. So if you came to me and said, I want to plant a church, it would be awesome. Here's, here's how you can plug into uh, our program. Um, the only thing that we don't offer just anybody is our funding. 
And that's because we're, we're actually a part of a larger organization. We're a part of the Assemblies of God. Mm-hmm. Um, we're essentially the church planting wing of the Assemblies of God. So um, we only can give, we, get, we match up to $30,000 that a church planter raises um, to plant a church in a new community. Okay. Hmm. All right, so anybody can plant, anyone can come to you who is interested and um, train. And you say you have some missionaries so that they can go out and have a better idea on how they can tap into the culture of the community so that they can um, uh, form a church that isn't completely alien to that culture. Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, I'd say you nailed it. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was just thinking about inner city. I'm just kind of imagining rap going on inside a church, you know, because that's what's <laughs> going on in the streets. I mean, that's an extreme, but you know, I can understand that because how do you attract those people if you've got that very formal liturgical service going on, you know, and they they feel, oh my gosh, what is going on in here? Yeah, and it's it's cool. We're I mean, we have a very diverse group we have you know out in you know you said you're you're in texas and mm-hmm. um in rural texas we have quite a few cowboy churches okay. um, churches that you know try to reach the the cowboys out there on the ranches and stuff um mm-hmm. you go up to wyoming there's not a ton of people up there but we have uh, this one guy that planted this church called the wilderness church and the majority of the stuff they do it, it revolves around fishing and hunting and being in nature because that's that's what people live there. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a very diverse group, and it's really fun when we get the chance to bring them together and they can cross pollinate and uh, share ideas and you know understand that hey, yeah. God's doing stuff everywhere, and it doesn't look the same everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's guiding principles, of course, but at the same time, there's uh, opportunities. So. Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. So why church? I mean, you've got these young people who may not have even grown up going to church. Well, they're not all young people that are, that are being attracted to your, your new church plantings. Um, sure. But why, why church? How important is corporate worship for us? Um, well, I think it's very biblical. And uh, it... You know, if you, I mean, even if you step back from the spiritual side and the biblical side of it, um, communities that have str- have churches, uh, strong churches that are in their communities, uh, tend to be healthier places to live. Tend to be um, their their citizens tend to be happier. They so um, and they and they give, and it's not about you know it creates a culture of um, giving rather than self selfishness, and so. Um, you know, and then of course, you know, um, my life was changed when I met Jesus when I was young and um, I'm sure yours was too. And, you know, other people need that opportunity. Um, and like you said, what I believe is that uh, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, then God has a dream for you and he has a vision for you. Mm. And, uh, so I just want, I want to be able to help everybody get to that point, um, help them figure out, you know, what is God calling me to do? Um, it may be a job. A lot of times it's not. Um, I happened to be lucky to land a job. Um, what I was in something I was feeling called to do. Um, but even if I wasn't working with CMN, I'd still be moving the, the cause of church planning forward because that's what I feel called to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Greg, we're getting ready to go on a, um, a break. And, um, when I get back, I'm going to want to be talking to you a little bit about, um, 
third space and um, maybe traveling in your job and um, looking sure. at um, bringing together the secular with the with the sacred so we'll have a little bit of um I don't know, a, a spiritual discussion going on. So um, okay. I'm talking to Greg Barber, a church planter working for CMN in Missouri. And we'll be back in just a moment. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success? More stability? More happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smart strategies and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. And there's no stopping us. Join host Kalen Amadio for Act Local, marketing for small business. Kalen helps concerned, confused, and even clueless small business entrepreneurs market simply, safely, and successfully. Join Kalen for some Monday morning marketing madness that will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing for your local business, this marketing black belt will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kalen will feature a new tip that you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. Act Local Marketing for Small Business airs every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Greg, I was watching a program on Starbucks and the massive growth of that coffee shop, and Mm -hmm. they talked about their coffee shop as being a third space, the space between home and work. And churches also talk about third spaces. So where are your third spaces? Can they be anywhere? And is it the same kind of thing? Uh, I I think they are similar. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe not exactly the same in purpose. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I lived in Washington for a while, and so I grew to love coffee, good Mm -hmm. coffee at least. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... For me, um, you know, I'm helping, I helped plant, about a year ago, I helped plant a church in downtown Springfield where I live. And uh, our goal was to reach the downtown people because there's this whole group of people downtown that um, they love downtown Springfield. You know, they don't go outside of downtown, but um, that's where they work. That's where they play. 
um, and they have a completely different culture than, you know, uh, rural Springfield, which is most of it. Um, and so we started just to hang out at the coffee shops, get to know the owners there. We hang out um, at uh, the restaurants there, get to know the servers, and we just interact with those people. And, uh, you know, giving opportunity to interact with people on a regular basis um, created opportunities. Uh, for people to hear about what we were about and um, for us to hear what they were about and connect people with like minds. And um, that's been our, you know, that's been our number one tool to bring new people um, to meet Jesus and to start becoming members of our church. It's not about, for us at least, it's not about bringing them to a building. It's not about bringing them even to a service necessarily. It's about bringing them to a relationship with Christ, and, you know, sometimes that's done, uh, or a lot of times for us, that started by, you know, simply having a cup of coffee with somebody. Um, So that third space is just, uh, I think it's really an opportunity thing. I see a lot more church plants lately trying to build that third space, whether it's opening up a coffee shop or our staff meetings are going to be at this local coffee shop or this restaurant or whatever's big in your community. I talk about coffee a lot because that's what my experience is but it can really be anything it could yeah, be a thrift yeah. store so be, so you know. you're you're trying to find people's th- third space where where they spend a lot of time and you find you, you're getting yourself in there and comfortable and getting them comfortable with you as well yeah definitely yeah. another one for me is you know a golf course i love to golf okay. and so yeah. you know i go golf with somebody they're stuck with me for four hours right. um, <laughs> they're going to hear what i'm all about captive so. audience <laughs> yeah captured so, audience yeah. All right. So um, a lot of young people, are, you know, you're a young person yourself, um, you know, may have been raised in the church and they pull away. Or when I'm in England, I find that the young people your age don't know anything about church. They don't even know the basic Bible stories. Sure. So, you know, so they're the completely unchurched. And um, how, how do you bridge that generation how do you get them you know sort of the ones that have were raised in it and moved away and the ones that have never heard of it you know is this all part of that third space culture idea that that you that you're using now yeah i think that's part of it um i think there's a uh, i don't know i i am careful to talk about this topic because I, I am younger and i work for a lot of people that aren't younger but um a lot of it it starts with you know an understanding and respect both ways and uh in order to reach you know my generation um you have to change your methods um that the church used to use Mm -hmm. um you know we don't we don't respond well to someone standing up at front and telling us that we're living terrible lives and that we need to change that that's not how we work we're very relational mm-hmm. um if if you if we know you love us then confrontation's fine but that ha- there has to be some sort of basis there mm-hmm. um so you know i think understanding the differences and then approaching those in love um is i, I guess a good starting yeah. point yeah. Um, I definitely don't have the answer, uh, but um, yeah, well, yeah. Just reaching out, reaching out to to everybody, and and just being respectful of where of where we are, and trying to find out where people are, and meeting them right there. Yeah, best thing to do. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit about um, 
something that I read on your blog, which um, you can tell us about in a minute. Um, somebody from Switchfoot. Now, I know Switchfoot only because my kids play it, and I think, uh, you know, um, I know the name, so it's kind of caught my attention. But he said, um, John Foreman said, there's a schism between the sacred and the secular in all of our modern minds. And as a Benedictine spiritualist, I have been taught that everything you you know treat everything as if it was sacred and so it changes your life even when you're doing something as mundane as cleaning out the refrigerator if you think of everything that you're handling as a sacred vessel then you can't help but be drawn to god you can't help but do things in a different way um so as in in, in a modern world there is that. There is that difference, isn't there, between, oh, that's sacred over there and that's secular, so I can do, you know, so, you know, attitude to work becomes, you know, sort of pretty drudgery. Yeah. They think of it more as drudgery than work. You know, it's just kind of this is something I have to do in order to pay my rent, you know, whatever. So. Yeah. Well, and it, I think it kind of goes both ways. I mean, I honestly, I, I'm not a huge fan of, most Christian music, and that's mostly because I don't I don't think musically it's as good as most secular music, and uh, you know that calls into question that whole idea. You know, is is what God has really better, and that's what people think. And um, so I think people that you know are going to make Christian music and stuff, maybe they should think twice before using that term. But um, but definitely you're right. I think when you view um, your job, no matter what it is, as something you're doing for God, something you're doing to create life for everybody better in some way or another. Um, I think that's that's right in the heart of uh, why Jesus came here. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. I mean, beautiful music, regardless of whether it was written as Christian music or church music or you know, to, to further the gospel, is still a gift. It's still a fabulous gift that you've received. Exactly, yeah. 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 Lots of things. Your brother playing golf, you know. Um, yeah. You know, using our gifts. That's the thing. I think that's that's the sad thing when people don't use their gifts. And oh, that yeah, brings very. us, doesn't it, to what you say about God has put a calling on your life and a dream in your heart. And he's given yep. you everything in order to be able to draw on that and, and use all of that. So, Definitely. yeah, they, we can talk about that for a little bit. Um, you know, just, just that, that kind of opened my eyes a bit when, you, when, when I, I read on your site about it doesn't have to have the word Christian in order to be beautiful music, um, you know, as, as a gift from God. So other things. Yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah, like you said, I... You know, I really do believe that if you've met, I believe even if you haven't met Jesus, God has a calling to your life. Yeah. So the first step is to get you to meet him. Yeah. And the second step is to help determine what that is. And uh, for everybody, it looks different. And uh, But I feel like my calling, you know, my dream is to help people find that. Um, I found the most success through church planting. And so that's why I'm heavily involved with church planting, because I get to meet guys that God's called to plant a new church, and I get to see the reality of that happen, and I get to be a small part of that. 
And so, um, and so when you're talking to people, can you, can, do you find that you're able to eventually, um, with your personal contact with them, get them to see that they are doing, you know, what, what they're doing is for God, is, is, you know, it's all kind of motivated by God, whether they know it or not, because it is. I mean, God's right there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I felt called to ministry when I was in high school, mm-hmm. but I hate I hate talking in front of people. I hate preaching. And mm-hmm. what kind of space is there for a person like me who mm-hmm. feel calls to be a minister, but at the same time doesn't, I don't like preaching. I don't like being up in front of people. I'm not passionate about it. I'm not good at it. I had to do it in college. And I, no one ever got saved when I preached. Um, oh, so, you don't know. Nobody came to you and told sure. you that what you yeah, said ex- saved. Yeah, you're right. I'm yeah. I'm just using it for em- emphasis, I guess. But, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I you know I just you know, but I followed God. I got mm-hmm. okay. I'll go to ministry school, but God, you know, you haven't equipped me to be a preacher. So I guess I'll just see what happens, and then magically this job mm-hmm. opens up in Missouri where I get to you know go around the country and help train and equip church planters to reach their communities and stuff. So Mm. you never know what God's doing behind the scenes. And so if you're faithful with what the little things that he's called you to do, he'll open up huge opportunities. Well, um, I used to, I had grow, not growing up, but, um, you know, raising my children, I had a lot of Baptist friends and they were really, really good at scripture. You know, they had that scripture memorized. I can't do that. I, I just, yeah. I, and I thought, well, how can I witness? I mean, they're brilliant. As long as I can bring one of these friends with me, they can, they can do that part for me. And, you know, I can, I can kind of make the connection. But then I realized that really I had something else that they may not have, you know. So it yeah. takes all of us. It, it's a team. It's a team yeah. effort. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's 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 fantastic. So you feel comfortable training people because you know you know that, right? Yeah, and honestly, what I do, I, I'm not even the one up front doing the training. I I'm more of the networker, make yeah. sure everything's going well. Yeah. Um, I work with the church to you know help promote it and that kind of stuff. So um, there's people that are better at the actual training part than me. So we have them do it. We fly them in. So. Yeah. So, yeah, and they they couldn't do what you're doing. So, uh, so yep. there you go. Yeah, it take, takes all kinds. So, um, Greg, we're getting ready to go on another really short break, and I'd like you to come back just for a few moments and tell us about your website, and okay. um, you know, tell us a little bit about um, your wife and perhaps the the role she plays in in your job, and um, we you know we'll. Uh, just talk about that for a little bit. I'm talking to Greg Barber, and um, he's a church planter in Missouri, and uh, the company he works for actually planted 391 new churches in 2012 and is well on the way to that number this year. So we'll be back in just a few moments with more from Greg. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. 
Get ready to learn and play with Mrs. A. Your host, Barbara Allison. Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Did you know that kids are only 20% of the population, but they are 100% of the future? How are you preparing your child for that future? The years between the ages of 0 and 6 are crucial for learning and development. Barbara Allison is a teacher, parent, and author on supporting children's early learning. Learning starts even before a child is born, and parents are children's first teacher. Join Mrs. A for ideas, tips, and suggestions for fun learning and play activities as she helps you support your child. Starting early is starting smart. For more on Mrs. A, her books, the show, and her blog, check out her website, 123kindergarten.com. Then, come learn and play with Mrs. A with your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Goals, objectives, business and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, business and life coach Carmen Carosa can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real-world coach for a reason. His no-nonsense style along with an innate ability to form connections with people gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever-changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. You will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So, Greg, um, you're married. Kelsey, you, you describe as the woman of your dreams, and um, you were lucky enough to be able to marry her. She obviously thought you were the man of her dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yep. She's, uh, we, actually, we met when we were three years old. Oh, you did? So we've known each other forever. <laughs> and, uh, all you know, we grew up in the same church together, and all through high school, she had the biggest crush on me, but... <laughs> I was not interested at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, so I was too busy with other things and just crazy high school stuff, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then after high school, we we both became interns at our church, and uh, they told us, you know, part of being an intern was for the first year you had to you couldn't date anybody. Yeah. So um, I'd always had a girlfriend, nothing serious. I just so I thought was what you did when you were in high school, and mm-hmm. so. Um, going through that first year um, and kind of committing, you know, to my development of faith, um, God really started to open my eyes to see um, the beautiful person that Kelsey is. Mm-hmm. And so uh, our, the day our first year ended, I asked her, I asked her out. And mm-hmm. so um, and we dated for six years before we got married. Um, and that was just because we wanted to get through college first but yeah, yeah, okay. so she's been on this crazy ride with me so now for a while. you're married and does she does she work with the same company or does she have a different job no she uh 
she got really involved with um, the coffee industry when we lived up in Washington, and so she's very passionate about um, making good coffee, and so she works for two different coffee shops. Um, one, the main one she works at, she's the cafe manager, mm-hmm. and it's called Eurasia Cafe, and uh, Eurasia Cafe is a coffee shop that raises money for missions, and so um, well, it's, a, it's a pretty good organization. Good. Well, good. Um, tell us where, you're, where, where you write. Tell us where you blog. Yeah, so I have my blog. It's uh, gregjbarber.com. Okay. And uh, on it, I really, a lot of times it's just my random thoughts about life and faith and uh, culture. Um, but uh, I, try to, I try to focus it around um, building a healthy culture, mm-hmm. um, church planting, and then uh, generational bridge building, so helping um, the younger generation work well with the older generation and helping the older generation realize the leadership opportunities of the younger generation. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I've got it linked on my front page, so any of the awesome. listeners who would like to go there, just click a link or just remember Greg's name and, and Google Greg Barber. That always works. Perfect. Yeah, and I'd love to connect with anybody. Um, you know, I'm involved with church planting, but if God put a crazy dream on your heart, yeah. Uh, I have I've had the opportunity to build a, um, a network of people, and I don't have all the answers, but I probably know somebody that does. So Good. I'd love to help anybody that I can. All right. Well, thank you. I've been visiting with Greg Barber, who works for the Church Multiplication Network, who had the amazing privilege of planting 391 churches in 2011 in America. Greg and I talked about faith, the millennials, bridging generations, the importance of creating a church culture, and his passion to see the lives of others change through the efforts of church planting. He believes God has put a calling on your life and a dream in your heart, and he's married to a woman of his dreams, the woman of his dreams, Kelsey, and they live in Missouri, where he also writes at gregjbarber.com. I'll have his link, as I said, on my show page. So thank you for joining me this week, Greg. You have a safe weekend, a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. You too. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Greg. Bye. Bye. Well, uh, for somebody who was not um, comfortable speaking in public, I think Greg did pretty well. So I hope you go to his website and um, get to know him a little bit more. And now, um, I can't go a show without talking about my my youngest, Dorts. Since her break from ship life, she's been busy looking for work and then doing the work that she has found, and she needs something flexible to allow her to still do her filming on the Dallas set and her other part-time jobs. So the places she's been dropping her resume off to are bars and restaurants, and I'm not at all comfortable with the idea of her working until the wee hours around the drunks. But she says the money's good, and she really has to consider that now that she has to find rent and pay for a phone plan and buy a car and insurance, not to mention the installments on her new iPhone. And she's also registered with a nanny site. She doesn't really like doing that because she doesn't like doing that kind of stuff online. She prefers to find her jobs by word of mouth when she's working in other people's houses. Um, But one person responded to her from a very swish part of town. He was a divorced dad of an 11 and a 14-year-old, and he needed someone to collect them from school every other week when it was his turn to have them and stay with them for a couple of hours until he gets home. So Dawson, he met, and they hit it 
off straight away and she told me he was most impressed by her and said what a good head she had on her shoulders. Well, tell me something new. She told him she'd homeschooled, went to college when she was 15, performed in musicals around the Metroplex, had done her final year in college in England and had just finished working on a cruise ship in the Mediterranean for three months. Well, no wonder he was impressed. He asked how old he was. I asked her how old he was and he she said sorry <laughs> that um he was in his early 40s so i told her not to get any ideas and you need to go back and read some of my blog posts to get that one she laughed well she worked the thanksgiving week and all was well and this week she was told via a text that they'd had a change of plan as a family and didn't need her anymore so that was a blow but 11 and 14 don't really seem like nanny material to me Good news, though, her ballet school, when she was younger, asked her to return as an artist uh, for their annual Nutcracker, and so she said yes, and when she walked into her first rehearsal, her teacher, the owner, said, you're not fat. <laughs> I wonder where she got that impression from, so I laughed. I love that story. She isn't dancing in much in the show, but the pay's the same regardless of whether she's on stage all the time or not. And I get a free ticket to go and see her, so I'm excited about that. And added to all of that, she's been doing some work with a still photographer around town, all outdoor shots, and very original, so pop on to boomering.org. I've got a couple of those pictures up. And did we ever get some ice and snow in Dallas? Well, I didn't because it didn't make it as far as Lindale, but the temperatures did. And Dort's in the snow and ice was stir-crazy. She loves going out. But she didn't have to work, and um, she called me at one point and said that she had cabin's fever. <laughs> so she baked a cake, she glued little hangers on chocolates for their little Christmas tree, and she pampered herself one day with a full home spa. I mean... This girl. <clears throat> My married son said to me when he spoke to me that the fuss about the weather was a little bit overboard because he was able to go to work. But I guess it depends. I'm glad she didn't go out, actually, because she doesn't need a car wrapped around a, a street lamp or anything. Um, anyway, I can see, well, I could see the sun earlier this morning, but it's raining, so I don't know what's happening. My mother-in-law will probably keep me updated on the weather. She's very good at that. She loves doing that. And um, right now, I have a friend who I've known since she was 11. In fact, she's the daughter of a lady that I used to work for at Ticketmaster. And I had bought a piece of artwork from her when she was still a young child. And she remembers it as her first sale. Polly Wright is the founder of We Are Cherished, a ministry that reaches out to women in the sex industry and empowers them to discover that they are loved, valued and cherished. And on talking with her, I can't help but be lifted up with her sheer enthusiasm and love for her personal best friend, God. She says, one thing is for sure. He has freed me from shame. He has freed me from my addictions. And he has freed me from the thoughts that said, I am not worthy of love. Polly will be sharing a longer message on my New Year's show, December 27th, but today I invited her to share with you what she and her group are doing this Christmas night in downtown Dallas and Columbus, Ohio. This is Polly Wright, and I'm the founder of We Are Cherished, and we're a ministry that reaches out to women in the sex industry. And we would love if you'd be praying for us Christmas night. We go out on the 25th to every single open strip club in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and also Columbus, Ohio. 
And um, we will be passing out over 13 to 1400 uh, gifts on that night. We have three teams that go into the clubs taking Christmas gifts just to love on the women um, that are in the clubs on Christmas night. So, so, so Polly, if anybody wants to send something to you or help you in some way, they could send us uh, fuzzy socks mm-hmm. is uh, what we take in or nail polish or lip gloss. Mm-hmm. And if they want to make a fin- financial donation, they can also do that. And it's a tax deductible financial donation to um, help the women um, get out of the industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have a website? Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> and that is uh, wearecherished.com. Okay. And I will have that on my on my front page. And, Thank you. Um, Christmas night. Yes. Out to all the open strip clubs. Is that a lot? Because I, I know you said there were how many in, in Dallas? There are 55 strip clubs in Dallas, Fort Worth. So we uh, go, there are about 31 of them that are open on Christmas night. We just opened up our um, first We Are Cherished branch in Columbus, Ohio. Our very first butterfly, uh, Lynn, uh, uh, she's actually come through our program and um, that full circle redemption. So she opened up a We Are Cherished in Ohio where she lives now. It's so exciting. (laughs) Well, Polly, thank you so much. You're doing some wonderful work. And thank you so much for coming and sharing that with us. Thank you so much, Vivian. Bye. Bye. So as Polly said, you go to We Are Cherished to donate or you can volunteer in other ways if you'd like to help her in this ministry. She is a very courageous young lady. And it's now time for me to go. I have a wedding to attend on Saturday just at the end of the road, so that's handy. Then on Sunday, it's back up to town for my Reading Roots Christmas party where the husbands get invited. And on Monday, we're running around all over the place, catching up with people, checking the P.O. box, making a short stop at the storage units just to look at our stuff. No, really, somebody needs to get something out of there. And then the following week, I've got Nutcracker. So I'll be here, same time, same place next Friday with a few friends to help me get you in the mood for Christmas. So come back and join me. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff here at Toginet Radio, and my producer today, Sabrina. Thank you. My guest this week, Greg Barber, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, and loads of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to glide you through the day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney.